Geekville Radio. Hello once again, all you geeks and geekettes. This is Seth, a.k.a. Xandrax, the mayor of Geekville, and the host of Geekville Radio. We got a bunch of news to talk about here, and unfortunately, we do have some sad news to talk about as well, which we will save the latter half of the show for that. We're going to talk James Gunn's new job. He's basically the head honcho for DC movies and films, and uh, we're going to talk Henry Cavill officially back as Superman. I mean, I know that's a spoiler for some people who haven't seen Black Adam yet, but the movie's been out for almost a month. And we're going to talk in the Marvel Universe, we're going to talk the Ant-Man 3 trailer, and then we'll wind everything up with the talk about the passing of the late, great Kevin Conroy and his career both in front of the camera as well as the years he spent as basically the voice of Batman. So that's going to be the format of this show. Once again, I don't have to do it alone. Joining me from the nice, soft, padded cell in South Kakalaki, Crazy Train Jonathan Bullock. All aboard, ladies and gentlemen. We're coming this time with a little bit of a heavy heart, but also some news before we get to that. So why don't we just go ahead and start the news? And I get a feeling the uh, Kevin Conway talk is probably going to be long and voluminous. It's given <laughs> it so much to both of us. Yep. Agreed. So probably the biggest news as far as the industry as a whole is that James Gunn has now been hired. He and Peter Safran now have an eight to 10 year plan for the future of the DC universe, at least across movies, TV, and animation. And of course, we all know James Gunn, he did the two Guardians of the Galaxy movies, he's doing a third one, and then he did the second Suicide Squad movie. I thought he was going to be back with Marvel with Guardians of the Galaxy after that, but apparently this, this seems to be, I don't know for sure, but this seems to be something that did come out of the Warner Brothers Discovery merger. And so it looks like this may be something that was put together with the uh, new head honchos at WDB. Does that sound similar to you? Is that how you interpret it as well? Or Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think probably kind of quashed at the same time. It kind of quashed all those rumors that J.J. Abrams was going to get this role. Right. This seems like maybe he, he was under the old regime. Or was the, with the new regime, with Discovery merging, they've decided to go in the direction, direction they chose to go was James Gunn. Yeah. And I'll be the first person to admit that I, I had floated that thought. I, I know others did and the rumors were out there, but that was my thought. As soon as I heard JJ was signing this big deal with Warner Brothers, I think the, the words I used is I think he's being handed the keys to DC. And we know he well, was working on a Green Lantern series. He had other stuff that was in work for HBO Max, but I don't know if those things will still happen. I did mind. That's the other thing, too. We're going to be jumping the gun. No, no, pun, no intended. pun intended. Yeah. Thinking that JJ was, that JJ was going to get that. That maybe that this is what was intended all along. You had uttered the old word. It was just green, the Green Lantern Corps and Sinestro and, and all that. That in and of itself was kind of its own little universe that, oh, that yeah. you could have four or five. And especially, so, especially when you bring in the other colors and the other emotions that come with those mm, colors. That is one of the best things that happened to DC. And I believe that was Jeff John's idea. But that, Jeff that, Johns, was, Jeff Johns, crazy that was a fantastic addition to the lore. Yeah, and, and you already had Sinestro Corps, mm -hmm. the Yellow Lantern, and you already had the Sapphire Lantern, the Star Sapphire with Carol Ferris. So mm -hmm. you already had three in place, just had to add a few more. And it, it is definitely, it's taking Green Lantern from being a solid member of the, of the Justice League to his own, much like Batman with all his rooms gallery. Mm -hmm. much to its own thing yeah absolutely it's, uh, it's like but it, it's it, it could happen i don't care what they do as long as i get another mac leaves batman movie because i oh, like yeah. the batman yeah. i like just I, I think we are you know yeah so yeah. other than we both agree that matt reeves is probably going to get another batman do we have any word i mean it's probably too early where this is going there's so much speculation as to are we going to get a shared universe are we going to get the standalone stuff like Matt Reeves, Batman, like the uh, Joker movie? Or what I guess kind of segues into our next segment about Henry Cavill mm -hmm. and how we know he's going to be back to Superman. Oh, we're going to have both. Well, we do. You know, they are going with the multiverse as well for DC. So it's, it's very possible. But I, I seem to recall hearing, and I'm, I'm double checking here, but it seems like 
there's talk that they are trying to get Ben Affleck and Gal Gadot back to do another one because I, I think it was in, I think it was Yahoo. I, I didn't recall reading it or maybe it might have been People Magazine or something like that, that all three were spotted together in L.A. And I okay. suppose it's possible that they're all friends, but somehow I get the feeling that with all of what they all have on their on their plate, because it's not like Gal Gadot and Ben Affleck are hurting for work right now. So for no. them to all be together, I mean, that does float the possibility that DC and Warner Brothers are trying to get back and, and rehire them because that's th those are the roles we already know. I think all the recastings of Batman and Spider-Man, I think, hurt the returns of those movies, if, sure. if you get what I'm saying. I suppose you could do Matt Reeves joining Justice League. It depends on how the Flash movie works out because allegedly the Flash movie is going to kind of be the springboard to the DC multiverse. And we, we still don't know with all the problems Desert Miller's having what exactly going to happen with that movie. Mm -hmm. We don't. We know Batwoman, Batgirl is going to start Batgirl. That canceled totally. So I think, I think there's a lot of things up with it. And there's a lot of reasons for it. I think we get a mix of the kids. Because what you said, they're going for the multiverse. So that lends itself to, we have standalones like Matt Reeves' Batman. We have standalones like Scorsese's Joker. And they still can exist. Because they just, we don't say, well, just another world, another Earth. Yeah, you can throw the Elseworlds uh, logo in front of it when, when you get all the other uh, movie right. studio stuff and just and just explain that, well, when you see Elseworlds in the front, don't think of the other stuff. Just think of this as a standalone story. I do think the easiest way to do Flash, obviously we won't know until the movie comes out next year, it seems the easiest thing to do would just be to hire somebody to play Wally West for the next couple movies. Right. And, and you know, I mean, as far as the whole Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, I mean, I, it's undeniable they have chemistry on screen. Mm -hmm. And you got to know that this is something that Hollywood people are always looking for. They're always looking for chemistry like that between the two leads. If you got it, you don't want to mess it up. So why? Mm -hmm. I mean, that that kind of segues into the Cavill thing, right. which kind of muddles up the situation even more. Do you want to go ahead and, and wait and spoil the tag now yeah, for a movie yeah. that's a month old? Yeah, I, I guess so. We'll we'll wave the spoiler tag. Spoiler alerts! Spoiler alerts! Spoiler hole has been breached. Spoiler hole has been breached. For anybody that stayed through the credits of the Black Adam movie, which we are going to review, we just have to find a time when we can both sit down and and talk about the movie. Some people are listening to this saying, "Well, you're doing a show right now." Well. Yeah, there's more pressing uh, dudes to cover right now. Yeah, and and a lot of times we will, I don't want to pull back the curtain too much, but we actually have to sit down and format a show when we when we talk about it. We don't just turn on the mm -hmm. microphones and start talking. The trade-off for October, and what we do every year, is we have many months in advance often formatted and planned what we're going to do for all our shows in October. That means the beginning of November is also crazy. Right. Yeah, it's why this this news about James Gunn broke, I think, actually in October. We're only talking about it now because we were busy crossing right. our own multiverse for the month of October with all our Halloween yeah, and it, stuff. So. And we didn't even do all our shows in October. We didn't mm -hmm. even do an exam of the dead, which seems to be the most fitting of <laughs> right. how we But yeah, anybody who sat through the credits of Black Adam did see we, the official return, and I want to put official, not only in quotes, but probably in all caps, the official return of Henry Cavill as Superman, because we had heard the rumors forever, probably about two years now, off and on, we'd done shows hearing about, well, Cavill's back as Superman, I think he's going to be back, I don't know, and then he had the Witcher gig, but we'd heard that he'd actually signed like a three-picture deal, or wanted to sign a three-picture deal. And he was pitching his own ideas, which would show that he wanted to he return. Very wanted. Yeah. yeah he showed, he'd been very vocal publicly in interviews and stuff that he enjoyed playing. So yeah. He would like to do another. So he never hid that fact. Ever. Right. Right. And we geeks had said forever that Black Adam is the perfect foil for Superman, even though he's kind of looked at more as a Shazam villain. Well, we, we, we talked about it last month with the Capes on the Couch guys that for those that know Superman, Superman actually has two weaknesses, kryptonite that we all know about, and magic. 
and Black Adam's powers mm-hmm. are magic-based, which makes things very interesting. But I, I don't know if it's been official that he's signed on, but allegedly the, the, the story is that they are doing a Man of Steel too. It might not be called that, right. but it's effectively going to continue the story that was laid out in Man of Steel. And there's talk that they are going to bring back those three actors to do uh, a second Justice League movie. It, it doesn't sound like Zack Snyder will be involved, and I'm indifferent towards that. Yeah, so I've heard. Look, I, I've said before, I love Zack Snyder as far as visuals. And the director, he's great at cinematography. He, he makes beautiful movies, and as a comic book fan, he is the best, let me emphasize that, best director going at taking panels from actual comic books and legitimately making them come to life. A lot mm-hmm. of action. Yeah. He yeah, did he, Watchmen. He did it in Justice League. He, he does it, okay? He is not good at telling a story. He's terrible at character development. I think it's part of the problem combined with the fact there's him half of it and Josh Lee, the other half of the original Justice League. Everyone agrees that the, just, the, the Snyder cut of the Justice League was better because it filled in a lot of the gaps. But we also point out when we reviewed that movie, it took him, what, four and a half hours to do that? Right. And I just feel personally that there are other directors out there who are almost as good at visuals as him who could have told the same story and filled the same gaps in about two hours. Instead of four and a half. I agree. That's, that's always one of Zach's weakness. And same thing with Watchmen. The, un, the uncut director's cut, it fills in some gaps better, but it's like, oh, well, well three hours long, where theatrical release is just over two hours. This is Zach's weakness. It really is. And so I think we've seen all that now with him. It's time to move on to somebody who can tell us a story. And how can you not tell a story with those three characters? Right. It practically tells itself. Well, and it, all three of them, are so well known, probably with the weakest being one of them, but she's had her own two standalone movies now. You don't need to do a whole lot to know who they are. You already know who they are going into just time just telling your story. But we both said many times we've always felt looks aside, because that definitely Cavill looks apart. We both felt he's always had a good Superman movie in him. He just needed the right script and the right director. Let's hope this is the one that yeah. gets that for him. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'd said before that I think J.J. Abrams could probably make a pretty good Superman movie. Now, mm-hmm. this, the story had been that I had heard, the rumors at least, was that J.J. was behind doing, who, who was the Earth 2 Superman that was uh, Val Zod, you know, the black Superman, basically? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The African American Superman. That fell through about the same time back growing up cable, right? I think so, yeah. And, and then again, I think it goes back to this being part of that merger that, WBD, if you mm-hmm. want to use that as the initials, that they, they want to go with a more proven record than try, trying to reinvent some. I think, and I hope, the mixed response to Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman has made whoever's in charge understand that you can do it and it will sell, but you can make a lot more money and send home the people a lot more happy if you be a much more positive Less Marvin Superman. That's what people want. If they right. want dog and glory, they're going to watch Logan Wolverine. They're going to watch Punisher. They're going to watch Batman. That's what those characters are. But right. that's not what, not only Colin fans don't want that. I think the general public doesn't want that mission. Superman sort of the bright, shining beacon. Exactly. Yes. One of the ways I describe Superman is it doesn't matter how bleak or how hopeless things get. Superman's the type of character that's going to pat you on the shoulder and say everything's going to be okay. And you believe him. No, that, that to me is Superman, no matter. Yeah, and you believe him, exactly. Now, I know we're going back to the, the James Gunn talk a little bit here, but supposedly he has like an eight to ten year plan for DC, which I think is a good idea. Because mm-hmm. it's pretty clear that's what Feige has had with Marvel for forever. We're, we're coming up on phase right. five now, and we've probably right. got, they, they probably still have several more years planned beyond the, the phase six stuff. So I think that's all good news. And I know there's also been some online speculation launched because James Gunn chose to use a picture of Lobo and his tweet where he said, glad to be here. And I think we'd both agree James Gunn's perfect to do a, a Lobo movie. And he could probably get away with an R-rated Lobo movie. If you want to see James Gunn's R-rated sense of dark humor that would work for Lobo, I strongly suggest the movie Slither, mm-hmm. which is a horror comedy he did right before he broke big. 
I want to say it was early 2000s. It yeah, stars Nathan right. Fillion, Michael Lucker, because we all know that James Gunn used Michael Lucker all the time. And those are facts. And it's a hilarious sci-fi horror movie. It's comedy. And it has the perfect tenor for what I think a little movie should be. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It has not made any of my only one lesser known horror movies. I don't think. I have to go back and look. If I have it, I need to correct that in the next year or two. Okay. <laughs> a year or two. So that means I mean, you already got like 60 other candidates, right? <laughs> right, right. You know, stay tuned for 2023 or 2024. It might, it might pop up in one of those October. But yeah, it, it, it's a perfect example of what I think he can bring. And because he can do that with Lobo, I know enough about Gunn to realize, even if he's not directing, but he does have the key, like you're talking about, he's not going to want a dark suit. Right. He's going to want a light and that we all think Cavill could bring. So, well, again, back to JJ a little bit. Mm-hmm. I know that we're talking about Cavill specifically. JJ, I think he'll be fine. I think JJ will be fine with a Green Lantern because Green Lantern is very sci fi oriented. And that's JJ's strength, in my opinion, is more sci fi stuff. Are you really that upset if JJ doesn't get the key like we talked about and, and, and Gunn does instead? Because JJ was given the key to Star Wars and Star Trek. Yep. And part of it was the old vault, part was not his fault. He hasn't really been spectacular in having these two other geek properties that he was given as a Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of a bitter truth. I think it would, it would be wholly dishonest if we did say flat out, both the Abrams take of Star Trek and the Abrams take of Star Wars have been polarizing amongst the hardcore fans of both franchises at best and been polarizing. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, what is it, third, third strike and you're out? Well, now it doesn't, doesn't seem like it's going to be. And I wonder, well, again, just spitball it here. Did he want to continue with a dark, brooding Superman? And you had WBD said no. And Gunn's like, no, I got a better idea. Let's go brighter. And that's why they want to go anyway. Right. So who knows? Because there is the history of that, that studios as a whole, obviously there's exceptions, but it seems a lot of the mm. big multi-million dollar studios, they don't like to take risks. They want to go with a proven way. Safe route. Right. And we already have an actor who has made three or four movies as Superman. The fans seem to like him. He seems to like playing the role. Where, where's the negative here? That, that, that's just the way I look I at wonder, it. With Gunn, once again, going back to where I think Gunn, you know, I don't read any man's mind, just with my knowledge of Gunn's work, the way Justice League ended, even if they do a Zack Snyder back, they didn't see the, the next logical step, whether it's a new movie or they continue that storyline and that, that, that timeline along for the Henry Cavill Superman to face a dark side now. Yeah, yeah, totally makes sense. Even if we don't go the the, 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 the weird fever dream ending of the Snyder kind of where Superman turns bad because of the dark side. Which, by the way, I've always said, in Zack Snyder's defense, I think in his mind he had that was his end goal, was to do the, the, the injustice versus Superman where he turns bad, becomes an authoritative dictator. Yeah, he basically takes over the world. And that might be why he started out with Superman's more brooding. Then there wasn't that big a leak. Mm-hmm. I've said that all along. That I think that was the end game. And so this is why he gave us the Superman with Batman Man of Steel and Batman be Superman. But regardless, I think Gunn can go that way and make it more of a traditional Superman story. Right. I think you agree with me on this one. I don't care. I want to see Dark Side Superman. And if they go that route, please, please, I'm begging y'all. Get on both my, my, my knees and beg. Yeah. He's the best fucking Dark Side ever. Yeah, you don't need an actor to play Darkseid. You can CGI him. You could have no. you could hire a mind to be Darkseid. That would probably be the best thing to do, and then right. just have Michael Ironside do the voice. Absolutely. If there's another actor that has more geek cred than Alaga Ironside, I don't know who it is. Mm-hmm. He is. Yeah. He the, Maybe Dolph Lundgren, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but he's, he's the horror and sci-fi and mainstream, like Top Gun. Yeah. He's in the original Top Gun. He's done... Voice one, I, I don't know an actor has more geek cred than Michael Ironside. He's done everything. And he's a good guy and bad guy. I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but this won't surprise you. It might surprise some of our listeners, but it's like my introduction to Michael Ironside was V. And he was a good guy in that. It's like one of the three good yeah. guy roles he's ever had in his entire career. <laughs> and Sam, my only regret as a 
Corgi. It's, we never got a movie that I could think of. There might be one out there, and I'm just not recalling it, with John Saxon and Michael Ironside together. Either oh, against yeah. these other orchids. Yeah, you could make oh them as gosh. brothers. You could make them as enemies either way. Yeah, yeah that absolutely would work. Sadly, both of them are so old. Well, yeah, well, John Saxon passed away, didn't he? Oh, uh, John Saxon passed uh, two years ago, July 2020. But, he, but he was 83. They thought he passed right via the COVID stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and M- Michael Ironside's still with us. He's uh, 72. 80? Uh, 72. Okay. 72, yeah. He just, he just never had hair. So he, he was one of those guys, like Harley Race. He never had any teens or 20s. Oh, right he went, yeah, he went right from <laughs> 18 to 40, and he somehow managed to say 40 ever since. See, and they look so much alike. John Thacken could easily play Michael Ironside, the older brother, and you get the bully. Right, right, exactly. So, all right, well, we'll, we'll shift gears here. And uh, we'll go into the Marvel universe. So you've seen the Ant-Man Quantumania trailer, right? I have not, believe it or not. Oh, you're going to have to carry this one here. Okay. Okay. This could be interesting. Well, we got the Ant-Man Quantumania trailer, and it looks like the majority of the movie is going to take place in the quantum realm. Obviously, Quantumania. I'll avoid the obvious Hulk Hogan jokes based on many of them. Yeah, but they, they get drawn back into this quantum realm. We do see glimpses of Kang in his classic look, complete with the with the purple head, and we know Bill Murray's in it. I don't know the character. And this he's is the same actor playing Kang though, the, from the from the series. Yes, Jonathan Majors. Yes, same actor. Yeah, and it, it looks like there's a lot of mind bending visuals because this quantum realm is kind kind of like with Loki. It's kind of like they're they're outside the realms of time and space. So it's like physics don't matter. So, and it looks like we get, we're going to get variants of Ant-Man. The whole trailer is set to goodbye yellow brick road by Elton John, which of course is a wizard of Oz reference. And when you think about it, they're going off to this weird land. Exactly. It seems like this could be kind of a weird retelling of the wizard of Oz. Maybe Kang's the, the wizard in this, except for he'd actually be powerful, and unlike the Wizard of Oz, who was, of course, a, a con man. Or he could be the Witch of the West. Yeah, that that would probably be, uh, be more likely. Uh, I, I, need, I need to ask if I haven't seen it. it uh, my, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Douglas returning to this film as well? Yes, it, it looks like they're going to be side by side. So we're going to make the original Wasp and Ant-Man, Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne, along the Alongside the current ones, yes. Yes, indeed. Now, it does look like just going because of how things are edited together. And it, and it could just be how the edits are. Maybe they stay together for the right. whole movie, but it looks like they're going to be separated where we have Janet and Hank trying to reunite with Scott and Hope. To, you know, well, and, I hear, I remember as a, as a recent episode, it might, might have been me talking about the 31 horror movies. It might be something. No, 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 no. I think it was uh, when we did the, the South trip on the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew. Mm-hmm. This is a common practice. We see it all the time in Star Wars movies. Where you have a large ensemble of heroes, and the start of the second act, they'll split off. And one will have one story going on, while the other one has got their story going on, and they're brought back together at the end of the third act. That might be what's going on. Okay, could be, yeah. Although, it, it is said that, and I, I admit, I, I don't recognize the name here, but Bill Murray is credited as playing the villain Krylark. And a villainous Bill Murray, that interests me. I, I think he's got villain in him. Oh, yeah. He's kind of... I would jerk in, in Groundhog Day till the end, didn't he? Yeah. Till he well, finally he, he, he does play jerks very well. So I guess that's I, really in a lot of his roles. Yeah. He's he's kind of got because even Peter Venkman. Oh, Peter Venkman's a total jerk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just he's look, a lovable jerk. <laughs> just a jerk. Yeah, but I mean, he's got acting chops. Go watch him in The Razor's Edge. He's he's really good in that. And that's a drama. Mm-hmm. That's not even a comedy. Yeah, well, well, one got the Oscar buzz that he did with Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. the translation? Yes. Yes, definitely. So uh, it, it definitely looks like the, it's going to be kind of the trippy, nothing's quite what it seems in reality. And I think we're really going to start to see the piecing together of what Kang is truly doing. Because for those that may not know the history of Kang in the comics, this is a, not even a Cliff's Notes version. This is like a two or three sentence summary of a character that's been around for almost 60 years now. Ever. But Kang has time-traveled so much. It's almost like a Doctor Who thing to make the, our, our uh, obligatory Doctor Who reference. He's time-traveled so much. He's met himself so many times that he like these councils of Kang are all the same person, just through different points in time. 
So he's time traveled so mm-hmm. much that there's like an army of him now. Army may, may be mm-hmm. a, maybe a strong word, but it's like, there's so many different ver- versions of him scattered throughout time because he's immortal. So he's lived for however many thousands of years. It reminds me a lot of the Tom Cotton Cavanaugh character. Was it season three of The Flash? Where they bring in the different versions from different worlds and they all mm-hmm. have different personalities. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. Gang. Yeah. Very, yeah. They're very much so. Yeah. Definitely. So that's, that's really what we're in store for with Kang and because his Avengers movie is going to be called the Kang Dynasty. So it looks like probably a definitely bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Bad guy. So. So yeah, it is what it is. Yep. Yeah, I, I think I, I like Kang. I've always thought mm-hmm. Kang was a good villain. And, oh. and Marvel is not known for having great villains. So he's in a minority there. Yeah. I was saying years ago, I guess it would have been like phase two or phase three of Marvel. I'm like, I think I even said it. We might even, might even have audio of it from one of our older shows around the time of uh, Avengers Endgame. I, I, I'm thinking what would make perfect sense is this time travel is going to piss off Kang because that's his gimmick. He's the big time travel yeah, guy. That's right. And in on his territory. <laughs> right, exactly. And that, that makes perfect sense. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift gears. We're going to dedicate the rest of this show to the career of the late, great Kevin Conroy. And this is Geek for Radio, and we'll be right back. Are you looking for a gaming themed podcast? Check out You Just Got Fragged. Join host Jared Aubrey and his panel of gaming enthusiasts as they discuss news and accomplishments in the gaming world, and of course, the gripe of the week. That's all at YouJustGotFragged.com, part of the Wrestling Brethren podcast family. Attention all time lords and ladies, Geekville Radio presents Examining the Doctor, a weekly look at everybody's favorite time lord, the Doctor. Join Mark and Seth as they bring their signature blend of knowledge and humor to favorite and not-so-favorite episodes of Doctor Who. From Hartnell to Capaldi, Examining the Doctor provides episode commentaries for classic and current Doctor Who fans alike. Examining the Doctor, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at GeekGoRadio.com. All right, we're going to have a bit of a heavy heart for the, the last segment of the show, ladies and gentlemen, because truth be told, we had these news parts mapped out beforehand, but then the news hit of the passing of the phenomenally talented Kevin Conroy, who voiced Batman for well 30 years now. And that is probably what he's going to be mm-hmm. best known for. And uh, he did a lot of acting before that. He did a lot of uh, in front of the camera acting. And I believe we were talking off Mike train that he actually had gone to acting schools with the likes of like Christopher Reeve and uh, what'd you say, like Kelsey Grammer, some of the other people that, that Kelsey also Grammer became big and his roommate in college at Juilliard. And that, if you need any evidence that he was like the real deal was Robin Williams. So that's a nice little group of talented folks. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Robin Williams, Kelsey Grammer, Christopher Reeve, and, and, and Kevin Conroy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my introduction to him, I didn't realize it at the time. But my introduction to him was actually in the late 80s TV show that was set during the Vietnam War tour duty. And uh, he played the captain uh, of that. He, he, yep. they, had the, they had the two commissioned officers that were kind of the good cop, bad cop. And he was the good cop of the mm-hmm. two. It was like he was the good guy of the commissioned officers that were telling the, the unit where to, where to go and what to do. Yeah, I don't think I made that connection until years after his run as Batman. Yeah, same, same here. For me, the, the, the right tour of duty, because it was, it was more of like in the vein of platoon, the movie, mm-hmm. where it was an actual show about just what it was like to be a soldier in Vietnam. Whereas its contemporary, which was China Beach, which starred the ever gorgeous Dan Delaney, mm-hmm. was more of a, a soap opera. Because it was, I'm a MASH fan. That's my favorite show of all time. And a cool, kind of more of a serious MASH feel. Because it was a medical facility. But my biggest draw on tour of duty was, the theme song. You remember the theme song? Oh course? yeah. Yeah. They'd used, uh, painted black by the Rolling Stones and they used a lot of sixties music at the time, which right. laws were different back then as far as copyright and right. all that. So you will have to go back and find tapes of the original broadcast from the eighties in order to hear that music. Cause if you get the DVDs now, or yeah. if you watch it in syndication, you have this generic military type music going in the background right, right. and it just kills everything figuratively. And I just blew my mind that at that point, 
I had never heard a Stone song used like that because they were such a big band. And Payton Black, I'm, in full transparency, I'm not a huge Stones. I know that's probably going to make a lot of people bad want to read my rock and roll card. I'm, I'm a Beatles guy. I'm not a, not a not Stones guy. Actually, I'm probably more of the Who. If you could, <laughs> I get, I'm more of the Who and the Kinks than I am. You Stones well, and the I Beatles, the but I love all of them. Okay. Yeah. But they're on that list of four, the, the Stones are at four. Mm. But Paint It Black is my favorite Stone song. It really is. And I just was blown away. And I remember the show and I watched it with, with my dad. And then it, I think I was in, I, I, I think Batman the Animated Series was already done and they'd already moved on to the new Batman and Robin Adventures, which is like, what, season three? Before yeah. I made the connection. I can't remember how I made the connection. I think someone pointed it out to you, if I remember right. Oh, you remember the, the good captain from tour duty? Yeah, that's the boys back. Well, it is. Then it yeah. they click. Yeah, yeah, you go back and watch it now, and now you can't miss it. Yeah, you can't unhear it. But, but I just, I don't know why I didn't make that connection until somebody pointed it out to me. I, I find it amazing that here was this guy that had, that was a serious actor, went to Juilliard, trained classical acting, had done lots of stage work, major stage work, mm-hmm. and done a few TV bits. I think he also was a, maybe in a soap opera, like Edge of the Night or something like that. I, I think so, yeah. He'd yeah, done, one, of those but, days, one of those daytime soaps. Yeah, well, daytime soaps. So he had done stuff like that, and he had never been a big comic. He did He, by his own admission, knew nothing about Batman, the character. Mm-hmm. And then I, he reads for the role, mm-hmm. and they think he's perfect, which I, I think we all agree. He was perfect for what's back. To this day, I think I speak for a lot of us where I hear his voice in my head when I'm reading Batman comics to this day. Right, right. Exactly. And that's when you know you really got a role now. Mm-hmm. When you take a hardcore comic fan who's been reading these titles for years, and I don't know what voice we had in our head before that, but then one actor so grabs that character that they become the voice we hear in our head when we read the comic. They mm-hmm. need that. And to his credit, I think part of the reason why, besides the phenomenal work he did, we are such a insular, strange little audience that are comic book nerds. When, when an actor, especially one who's very, very seriously trained like him, takes on an iconic role like Batman, fully embraces it and fully embraces the fandom and doesn't see it as a joke or a paycheck, that means you invest that much more to it. And so I think that's part of the love that Kevin Conroy got from the fans besides just phenomenal work on Batman. Just the fact yeah. that he fully embraced it. I think you're seeing that right now with Tom Hiddleston, Loki. Yeah, absolutely. Here's another seriously trained actor who, instead of seeing the MCU as fluff, he completely embraced the Loki character and we love him. Because it, it seems like he, once he got hired, he took the role seriously. I, mean, I, I know Mark Hamill yes. has told the story. Another guy who I hear his voice in my head now when I read the Joker. But Mark Hamill told this story after they both had been cast. And Mark Hamill's talking about all these stories that they could adapt and, and bring sound. I wonder if they could do this and do that. I forget what stories he was actually mentioning. But Mark Hamill, of course, right. had been a comic fan all his life. I think he still reads comics to this day. And yep. Mark could immediately tell by Kevin's reaction that Kevin didn't know what the heck Mark was talking about as far as these storylines. <laughs> They probably wound up getting to do some adaptation of these stories Mark was thinking of, mm-hmm. and Kevin still didn't know. Talk about yeah. it. Like I, I would bet being the time frame is killing joke. Oh yeah, and, and of course that was made into an anime years later with yeah. two of them once. Yeah, because I know Mark Hamill had said years ago because he had kind of stepped away from Joker. It wasn't that he didn't want to do the Joker. I think he got massively misunderstood when he said it he said he didn't want to do the joker unless it was something that met a certain standard he didn't want to just do the joker for a a a commercial or something like that but i remember he said i'll come back to do the killing joke and then lo and behold a couple years Mm -hmm. later they do an r-rated animated adaption of the killing joke which let's face it the killing joke has to be (laughs) r-rated when you think of what they do to barbara gordon in that movie well well, what, what they brought out with Barbara Gordon to Bruce Wayne to be in the all of a sudden, like, no, 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 that, that, <laughs> that, that, that they already do. And yeah. that's probably the only weakness in that movie. Every diehard Batman fan like you, you're like, no, yeah. no, this is just wrong. Right. But that aside, I digress. That, that's phenomenal. And one of the things I think will always be Kevin Conroy's place in history 
or Batman was he was the first actor. And at this point, there'd already been several actors that had played Batman. You had, of course, Adam West, the famous who played him in the 66 TV series. I think Michael Keaton did one, made both as Batman in the Jim Bowden movie. Now, can I remember the older actor? What was the one that serials, black and white serials in 30? Oh, yeah. There've been a lot of them. Right. Right. And, and remember that Adam West actually went back uh, in the later seasons of Super Friends and voiced Batman for a couple of seasons of Super Friends. Right. So, you know, right. he did go back. I forgot. The the end. End. I can't remember who voiced him. And was it Welker? Or I can't remember uh, who voiced oh, him. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I know they had a, a much more pronounced voice for Batman in the earlier seasons. I, I can look that up. But right. I've said it before. One of my favorite adaptions in my youth that I saw was a, and it's still on HBO Max last time I checked, but it's a Super Friends episode called The Fear. And they tell Batman's origin. Scarecrow. Yeah, yeah, with the Scarecrow. In, in, in a Saturday morning cartoon. Right, right. They're able to do, in a 1980s Saturday morning cartoon, they effectively told Batman's origin, which I understood because I watched it at the time. They told Batman's origin without mentioning the words kill, gun, or murder, murder, Anything like that, but you know what happens. They don't actually show the murders happening. You know, you just see this flash of lightning and then the the tombstones, but they were able to tell such a dark story and adapt it to a Saturday morning cartoon. I thought that was brilliant, but that, and that was Adam West. That wasn't Kevin Conroy. I'll, uh, (laughs) so the, the guy, Conroy comes along in this nineties cartoon and he's the first actor out of all these actors just named who decides I'm going to make the voice of Bruce Wayne different than the voice of Batman. Mm-hmm. I think, in my opinion, it's totally my opinion, that Keaton tried to do that a little bit. Yeah, but he was raspy a little bit, yeah. Yeah, Kevin Conroy went in full bore. And I think that it now it is so iconic that every actor who's played Batman since then has tried to do it. Yeah. Whether you're talking about Gilmer yeah. or George Clooney or Jim Bale or, yeah. or Wild Pattinson, they all have tried to do that. He has effectively made that a part of the Batman mythos. That Bruce Wayne has one voice and he speaks in a different voice as Batman. And there is an analog to the comics. Because for years in the comics, Batman would write and sign the name Bruce Wayne right-handed and would write and sign the name Batman left-handed to throw <laughs> people off. And I don't know if, if in his research, Kevin saw that and said, well, let's do the same thing with the voice. Or it's just something he came up with on his own out of whole cloth. But it is now definitely a part of the Batman Mythos. And it totally makes sense for the character. And uh, yeah, it, it's one of those rare times that something happened outside of the comics that then becomes essentially Ken what's in the comics. Right. You know, and you can squarely lay that at the feet of Kevin Condor. And was again for a guy who did not know the history of this character or to be tied to him, but to understand the character well enough to do that. That's amazing. Yeah, definitely. Now, obviously for years, that was his regular gig was voicing Batman. That seemed to be the, the, the one role he did, but he did have some other voice roles over the years because I remember he had said, well, way back when we were talking the Crisis on Infinite Earths miniseries for uh, CW, for the Arrowverse, he, of course, played an older Bruce Wayne in that. And he said that was his first in-front-of-the-camera role in, in many years. He, he had just been doing voice roles forever. But you know, off and on, he had done Batman, not only for those Batman TV series, but for Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. He'd done many animated movies as Batman as well, but he did have a couple other roles as other characters. I know in one of the DC shorts, if I recall correctly, I think he was a narrator for a Shazam story, but I know that he was Merman in the first season of Kevin Smith's He-Man Revolution. Uh, No, Revelation, not Revolution. And I guess he's already recorded. I don't know if it's come out yet, but he is going to play Hordak for the second season. Now, granted, He-Man's not my forte. I was never a big He-Man mm-hmm. fan growing up. I never really had the, the any of the toys. But I watched the TV show on and off. But right. my understanding of Hordak was he was basically Skeletor's mentor, which is also kind of fitting because in Kevin Smith's story, guess who's playing Skeletor? Mark Hamill. So <laughs> <laughs> no. it, 
Yeah, it's it's kind of a roundabout. Uh, all comes back to uh, the same thing. But yeah, like like I said, I probably for the rest of my life I'm going to hear Kevin Conroy's voice in my head when I read Batman comics. My only regret is I didn't actually go up and get an autograph or shake hands with him or whatever. But I'd seen many of his Q and A's over the years at at different conventions. They were always one of the highlights because you could tell how much he loved doing the role and how much love he had for the fans. And I still remember him talking about doing the Arkham games because he said it was the most grueling schedule of anything he had done because with the games, there's so many different ways that you can go. You can die early in the game. You can die late in the game, all these different things. So a lot of times he would probably just spend an entire day, eight hours a day, plus the hour for lunch or whatever, just recording the oohs or ahs or or reactions. And he talked yeah, the the cut the cut scenes are like any other movie. Mm-hmm. They're 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 lines you read them. And that's that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm a huge Arkham. Now, all right. our, all our listeners know that. After the Red Dead series, it's my favorite video game. Probably played the Batman's all of more than any other video game out there. And he voiced them in all the Arkham games except for Arkham Wars, mm-hmm. which was voiced by I can't remember. Yeah. He's a video game voice actor. He did a good job. He right. sounded like yeah. He did a Kevin Conroy impression. Right. Right. And, but anyway, I, I, I've said all along the 2009 Arkham Asylum. I think, I think I'm, I'm speaking, I'm speaking out of turn here when I say it revolutionized it. Mm-hmm. The, the graphics were so good. The storytelling was so good. All that. Yeah, the, the fighting system, it completely changed the video game. World. They, had, they had one animator whose entire job it was to animate Batman's cape. Heck, this got mm-hmm. spent. Hours upon hours, making sure the cape looked realistic in all the different ways that would blow in the wind, glide and stuff. That's how serious they took that game. And it was also <clears throat> the first successful superhero. It was the first time so many superheroes uh, had been tried to <clears throat> be adaptive video games and never with great success. Especially and Batman. And then you actually felt like you were Batman playing the Marvel game. And... That was, and that, I think to this day, Argo Asylum is still in the Guinness Book of World Records is the most successful superhero video game ever. And if it's been usurped, it was probably usurped by its, by its sequel. But with all that being said, everybody I've talked to that's played the game, whether they were hardcore Batman fans or just video game fans, all of us have agreed that one of the strongest reasons why that game worked was because they bought back Kevin Conroy and Mark Campbell. A voice, mm-hmm. Batman and Joker, and 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 for the first one, Harley Eileen Sorkin for Harley, she was replaced by with Dare Strong, and the second, it is a good Harley. Mm-hmm. But bringing back those three voices, that even if you were a Batman fan, if you were a person of a certain age, you grew up hearing that voice because of the, the success of the cartoon, right. and that that's why I say, and I, I think you agree with me. Kevin Conroy, for an entire generation, he is our Batman. Yep, definitely. For the generation before us, Adam West. And I got no problem with that. I like Adam mm-hmm. West. I think Michael Keaton was headed that way with Batman for our generation. But then he only did the two films that dropped yeah. out. And then Kevin Conroy comes right in behind that and does just such an um, amazing job and does it for so long. For If you're between the ages of 30 and 60, Kevin Conroy is your Batman. He is your Batman. Mm-hmm. And that totally made the games work because, and I liked it because as much as I love the, uh, much as I love the cartoon, they were still afternoon cartoons for kids. So there was only a level, a certain level of violence and seriousness to those cartoons. In the Arkham games with a little bit more mature lady, I think we saw more of what Batman liked from the comic book and Kevin Agreed. got to bring his voice. Yeah. And two, two, two examples for me from the games, and I often, Kevin was in that role, are both from Arkham Asylum, from the first game, where one, he shows Batman's ability to kind of have a sense of humor, which Batman's always so serious and brooding. People are he actually does have a sense of humor. He's not a bad guy. And there's a scene early on in the game where you're trying to escape. You just realize that Joker's taken over the asylum. And you're trying to escape from the building you're in to go out and battle him. And to slow you down as you're trying to take an elevator, Joker sends Harley to drop a bomb or to explode an elevator which breaks and then 
take the elevator flying really fast, hoping that you will give up. Well, it's Batman, so he's not going to give up, right? But as as he saves himself and the guard's life when it's crashing the elevator, he gets a call on his comms from Oracle. And she's like, are you okay, Bruce? And he's like, I'm fine. All the Clinton tried to slow me down. Really? Yeah. She tried to drop the elevator on me. How'd it work? And he laughs. Not too good. And it shows Batman's sense of humor and how Kevin could do that. But the absolute best line, and it's, I need to find it and, 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 and so you can post it or put it in the show notes now. After you beat Bane, because he's the second boss character you face. He's actually the first boss character you face in the game. You, you, you face Bane, and during your entire fight, he keeps talking about how he's going to get the Bruja. Bane is and 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 whipped off from trench, whip her arms off, and then he's going to go after the pasta, which is the clown, the Joker. Mm-hmm. And you escort Gordon to a boat because Arkham, Arkham in this game is an island out in the out in the harbor, and you send him back to Gotham and tell him you'll handle that situation. And Gordon says he kept Bane kept saying Bruja, Bruja. What does he mean? What, what does Bruja mean? And he he never turned around. It just shows Batman walking away from Gordon. He goes, Bruja is a Spanish word for witch. <laughs> and just the way he's saying it, and just never even looks back and goes, it is the epitome of Batman. And had, no other actor could have pulled off the way he said it, the way Kevin Hardwood. Yeah. Bruja is a Spanish word for witch. <laughs> it is dead on. I will find that clip. I'm sure it's on YouTube. And I'll send mm-hmm. it to you, Seth, so you can post it in the show notes. If you do not understand how good Kevin Conroy was at the voice of Batman, but you do have an understanding of Batman, the character, watch that 34 second clip and you only understand why he is the voice of Batman for an entire generation. And I do remember one of the early episodes of the original Batman, the animated series, they had a Christmas episode. It might've been the first Joker episode as well. That was the very first episode, period. Or second, I think. Then the first episode was on Leather, on leather Wings, which is the Man, oh, man Bat. Yeah. Yeah, the second one was Christmas with the Joker. Yes, that's, yeah. that's the one you're talking about, yeah. Because I remember the closing scene to that. There was something about, I think Robin was trying to get Batman to watch It's a Wonderful Life. And and the punchline to it is Bruce Wayne saying, I have trouble getting past the title. Yeah. And I, the whole time, I was just making him, sir, the hands are to get cold. <laughs> yeah. He's made a fine ham dinner for, 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 for Dick and, and Bruce, and he just wants to eat his dinner. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, I, I, must, I must also add that too. This is about Conroy, but having Ephraim Zimbalist do the voice of, oh, of Alfred this early, the way they played off each other was brilliant. Mm-hmm. You believe, once again, the, the, the complexity of Kevin Conroy's approach to this character. Besides, he could have, have a sense of humor about be brooding, like I was talking about earlier in the Ultimate Asylum game. How he could have these two different voices for, and they had this very light kind of voice for Bruce Wayne you'd buy, like this boppish playboy try to hide his real identity seriousness yeah if you understand batman you've always understood that there's a reason why alfred still calls bruce master because it's proper etiquette once a boy turns 12 he's no longer master he's supposed to be called mister he's a man mm-hmm. but yet here's bruce wayne as an adult and alfred still calls him master wayne because in many ways alfred still sees bruce as a child he's the boy that little lost boy whose parents got killed. Yeah, Alfred is the closest thing to a father figure that Bruce has had. Exactly. And so I think you needed an actor, the age and gravitas of an Ephraim Zimbalist, to be believable in the role of, oh, he's the father figure to Batman. And Kevin Conroy, to his credit, went with it. And even though he's Bruce, and even though he's a mature adult, there's still almost like a son talking to his father when they would have interaction on the show. Alfred's probably the only person that could talk down to Bruce Wayne, quite frankly. I don't think even Lex Luthor could talk down to Bruce Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne, yes. (laughs) Bruce Wayne, yes. But there's two characters that can talk down to to Batman. One is is Alfred, the other is Jim Gordon. Mm -hmm. Yes. But Jim Gordon doesn't know that Bruce Wayne is that. I think he had suspicions on his hat. Yeah, and and I, I believe if we want to accept Dark Knight Returns as canon, if I recall correctly, I think Jim Gordon did know, but by that time, Batman was retired, so. Right, right, right. He knew when Bruce was, quote-unquote, dead in was, Battle for the Cow, was, was acting. 
he knew right away. And he's and he tells them it isn't just because you got a ponytail hanging out the back of your cow. You're taller, mm-hmm. you're so you're more slender, you have a, a sense of humor about you that the old one didn't have. And once again, that's very, very true. The difference between Dick Grayson and Bruce Lane. Even though Bruce trained Dick, you know. Right. And and I think just with the character of Jim Gordon, I, I think we'd agree Gordon would not want to know. Like even if he could know batman's no. real identity he wouldn't no. want to know because if he doesn't actually know the identity then he doesn't have to lie they can't and say him. i don't know who he is the difference between bruce and dick i've always said is that dick gets along and plays well with others whereas bruce is not <laughs> right and right. this is why dick grayson winds up being a leader of the justice league winds up leading the team titan and bruce never did that as batman because you just mm. he can't and i think bruce even said that later in the comics that you have done something I couldn't do myself. You've been able to build the trust of the other superhero in the community, and I yeah. couldn't. And I think you see that once again the, the depth of Kevin Conroy's delivery. Mm-hmm. As you, as, as you, if you follow, if you, you know, after the Batman series done, he continues to voice the character in the Justice uh, movies and series. There's he brings this. I don't trust you, and you don't trust me. Mm-hmm. To the rest of the phenomenal voice cast. That they had for all these other characters. And the, I can't remember who voiced the Green Arrow in this. Oh, but gosh. It was played between the two of them. With Kevin Conroy's take, yet a different approach, yet again, he he looks at Ollie different. Because Ollie's just like him. He's just, he, he has the Superman. He's the one that convinces Ollie to join the, the Justice mm-hmm. League. Another great one, example, Kevin Conroy as Batman. It's from that series. The, the scene where... Him and Wonder Woman are doing the surveillance on. I know exactly uh, where you're going. On the Iceberg Lounge, mm-hmm. and Diana's always been trying to hit on Bruce, right? And she's like, play with him and flirt with him, and he just stoic as all me. I can't remember the line. I'm paraphrasing you. First off, I don't believe in relationships among the team. It never works. Secondly, you're a mortal goddess from a society of warrior women. I'm a rich kid with problems, lots and lots or issues, y- lots issues, and yes. lots of issues. Yeah. And it's just so perfect. I to love you. And then at the end of that episode, which is a fantastic episode, I might add. I think it's called Three Little Pigs or something like that. Seriously turned Wonder Woman to a pig. And so Batman has to figure out a way to, to get her back to human, to human form. And at the end of the episode, they actually have Batman as part of the deal for Cersei to turn her back is sing Am I Blue? And Kevin right. Conroy is the one who sings. And, and that's a good job. You know, mm-hmm. that's a really like, wow, that's a good singing voice. Well, that doesn't surprise me. With Juilliard, he did stay. I'm sure he did musicals at some point. Right. I, another aspect of Batman that I think Kevin Conroy nailed, go, going with the Justice League examples, is the very first Justice League story. I guess it was the three-parter, I want to say. And ah, uh, okay. once they'd kind of all come together and they're like, hey, wow, we can form a team here. And everybody's in except for Batman. And they all kind of look at Batman. And uh, again, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he said, well, I'm not really good for working in groups, but when you need right. my help and you will, you know how to find me. It's like, that is so Batman. Right there. <laughs> that little stinger right there. And you will. Yes. Have, have you, have you by chance seen the animated DC movie, Doom? Justice League Doom. Yes. Yes. That was the one with, they, they adapted the, I think it was Ra's al Ghul in the comics, but I think it was uh, Vandal mm. Savage in the animated one. But yeah, right. it was where Vandal Savage adapted all it stole all the failsafe, basically all the ways to beat these Justice League members. And I think, I'm, I don't want to steal any thunder from you, but I think what you might be building towards was when... Uh, Finale? Yeah, Finale. Where, where where all the Justice League, it's like they're shocked that Batman had all these failsafe on how to beat each and every one of them. And I think it was Wonder Woman said something to the effect of, we never would have thought that with you. And Batman just says, well, then you're all damn fools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he even points out that they used his protocol to incapacitate him. So he didn't want on himself, too. Yeah. But the, the real, the real, that's right here, damn fool. But the real clincher for me is after he basically tells the Justice League, I can't be part of this group if you don't see the reaching for their needing to be a failsafe for each and every one of you. He goes to get on the boom tube, teleport off the watchtower back down to Earth, and Superman stops him. And, and it, 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 it's a great, Example of Kevin Conroy as Batman is a great example of, oh, what's his name that does, that does Superman? Either Tim Daly or George oh, Newbern. 
it's like a Tim Daly. It's just Tim Daly and Doom. Okay. And much like Mark Hamill and Michael Conroy, I thought they had a great dynamic of Superman and Batman in the comic stuff. And Superman basically tells him, I understand why. And then he entrusts him with the last piece. Mm-hmm. And, ba- and Batman like, hmm. And this, this, this blended reaction of a film convoy doesn't even say it's something like this. And then he gets yeah. on the transporter. And it's like those little subtle moments of the, mm, or you're damn fools, or it's Spanish for which. That is where Kevin Conroy nailed Batman. Yeah. I think it was there, there was a Justice League episode, I want to say it was with Amazo, who, of course, can grab all the other superhero powers. And he finally grabs a Superman and looks like all is lost. And then Batman realizes, right. hey, you got all the strengths, but you got the weaknesses too. And socks him with kryptonite. And then somebody mm-hmm. says, do you always carry kryptonite with you? And Batman just kind of looks and goes, of course. Call it an insurance policy. <laughs> right. I love, uh, speaking of Michael Ironside from, from previous, the uh, previous segment here on this episode, when he does the voice of Darkseid, and it's just the shock of, of Darkseid not taking Batman seriously because, oh, he's just human being. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't have to worry about him. And then realizing that, and Kerry Connell just bringing out so perfectly the delivery. This, oh, he's the one that he'd be the most worried about. And Baby Superman said, yep. You know, Darkseid probably comes to that realization. Oh, uh, he's the one I need to be the most worried because he's never going to stop, is he? And basically, Superman's right. like, yep. And you think now, he brought up something about Kevin that he hadn't worked on stage or in front of the camera until he did that crossover. And I think when we reviewed, I lamented it because he was the Earth 99 Batman. For those that don't know, that's the kingdom come elsewhere. And though he, he doesn't have one of bat suit, he has one of a suit tie. He does have the external exoskeleton that the Batman in that particular world have. It's just it was based on beaten that, up yeah. from years and years. By the God, yeah. It, it, it's basically... It's basically uh, uh, an, an Iron Man suit without being a full suit. Yeah, they, they just and, had him as a, um, uh, they, they made him a villain for which I didn't, I can't control. Well, we didn't like that. We made him, they made him a killer. And mm-hmm. it was like, no, no, the Batman and Kingdom Come was not a killer. But anyway, and we all lamented that that, that was the one time that Kevin Conroy got to play a live action Batman. It was great to hear the voice. And of course, his delivery of what they gave him was awesome because it was mm-hmm. Kevin Conroy. You saw a glimpse of what a younger Kevin could have brought to the table if he'd have been cast instead of Val Kilmer and right. Batman. Right. right. You know? If you go and you look at the pictures of Kevin Conway when he was in his 20s and 30s, uh, he, he was a handsome dude. I think I can say that as a, right. uh, a completely straight male. But if I were to look at that picture, I'd be like, looks like Bruce Wayne to me. Right. Now, during my research for this tribute, I found out that as an interview I found a lot of Kevin. And he had actually wanted to play Batman live. And there was talk of that. But he he was never approached. He chickened out of the zone. His mm-hmm. fear was Kevin was his entire adult life and openly gay man. And he had a husband when he passed away. He feared in that time frame in the early nineties that that studio heads would be interested in him as a live action Batman. He feared there would be a backlash from the comic book community. So he just kind of stepped away. And I hate that. I hate that he did that. I think, unfortunately, now, had he been cast, they would have made Batman gay just because he was gay, which is Mm -hmm. the exact same problem in the other direction. I think Batman is known to be straight, but he's always been presented straight. And Kevin's a great actor. He would have pulled it off. Yeah. Only would have believed him in straight man. He he knows that Bruce Wayne is a straight man. It's a similar thing, quite frankly, with the character Sulu in Star Trek. Obviously, we know George Takei is gay, but even George Takei will be the first person to tell you Sulu was straight. It's not like we're talking quantum physics here. Same same thing, I think, with like like John Ritter as Jack Tripper. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, that was done for comedic effect in the 70s. Right. John Ritter was convincing for a 70s gay man, or at least a straight man playing a gay man in the 1970s. But Jack Tripper was totally straight, and so was John Ritter. Right. Well, I hate that we, at that time period, because it was in my college years, and Kevin probably was right. We probably lived in a society where some would have held that against them, and that he had such a fear of that that it kept him, and it kept us as fans from seeing him as a live action Batman. I hate that, but it just wasn't meant to be. And he, But even without all that, we have all these years that we've been talking about of his voice work. And it's like, if that's all I get, I'm, I'm, 
more than happy. Mm -hmm. But I do still lament that we didn't get that. And it was his own fear and other people's narrow-mindedness that pushed his fear to say, nah, I don't really want to do Because like you said, you look at a picture, Kevin Conroy would have been any big. That's mm -hmm. the thing that's, that both yeah. is one of the biggest, biggest, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for, problems that a lot of fans had with whether it was Michael Keaton or George Clooney or Bob Kilmer or even Christian Bale. It wasn't until Ben Affleck played Batman right. that people always said, Batman's a big dude. Right. And these are all smaller guys. Now, Ben Affleck, which a horse, he's a huge guy, yeah. right? Yeah, he's what, six, like three, six four, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's what Bruce Wayne is built like. In the comic books, he's like what? He's like, he's supposed to be Probably like 6'2", six six two, two, yeah. like 225 pounds. So he's a big man. Kevin Conroy is not that thick, but Kevin Conroy is like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, he he could have easily bulked up for the role and been much more convincing physically than a lot of these other guys. And and I know that it was later in his in his career when I would see him at these Q&As, but he'd wear like a polo shirt. But you could tell just by looking at him that I don't think he was a stranger to the gym. I, I think he kept in shape. No, it's just a bit. Yeah. The only other the only other actor I think that around that time that could have pulled it off, but I don't know how acting chops work, is a lesser known character. You'll know Richard Booker. Richard Booker probably could pull that off. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. But for those of you who don't know, Jason Booker, Richard Booker was probably most famous for two roles. He played Jason and Five Thirteen Part Three, which is the first time we saw Jason with the hockey mask. And then what was that sword? What was the sword and sandal movie he did in the 80s around right the same time? But he had a little, little shirt where he showed off his build. I mean, he's a trapeze artist from England. So he was athletic. And that's something that's always, until Ben Affleck, I think was missing from Batman. Because Adam West kind of had the pop build. Batman has never, in my opinion, though some artists draw him this way, he's never been like Logan, Captain America, where he's this big barrel-chested dude. But he's not small. He's very athletic. Yeah. I to use one of my favorite words in the English language, spelt. Mm -hmm. He has that athletic muscular build. For those that are wrestling fans, Rick Rude. Yeah. Rick Rude oh. was not yeah. as steak as Hogan or Jerry Von Eric, but he was still he was very, very muscular. Yeah. I think the movie that you're thinking about is Deathstalker. That's it. Deathstalker. Yeah. yeah. I always thought it was funny that the character's name is Deathstalker. They didn't call him Kyle or George or whatever. It's like, what are we no, going to name our son, no. honey? Uh, we'll call him Deathstalker. Right. And Richard Booker's character is like one of his buddies. Mm -hmm. He's another assassin or something in that movie. But it was in those 80s cycle of sword and sandal mm -hmm. fantasy. Exactly. Movies. By the way, Deathstalker 2, fantastic soundtrack. Yeah. I think Deathstalker was one of those Charles Band productions. It seems like it's right up his alley, doesn't it? I could yeah. be wrong. For those that don't know the Charles Band reference, go back and watch, listen to the 80-hour Halloween episode from yeah. the past four years. I'm eating, eating but the wrestling stuff because we bring up Charles Mann about what, two dozen times? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, to, to wind things up here, he had a 30 year gig as Batman. He was deeply loved in all those geek conventions. I, I probably went to at least probably half a dozen of them. I got pictures on the Geekville Radio website of him. Definitely a popular, popular guy. Yeah. Yeah. Without I, a doubt. I, and I have pictures of him alongside uh, Dean Kane at, at one of the Q&A, because I know that was the whole oh, thing. Nice. You, had a, you had a Batman and a Superman side by side. Trivia, though, Dean Kane worked out a Superman much like Cavill. Dean Kane's right. an athlete. He played basketball at Princeton. He's a big guy. Exactly. So he yeah. actually, like Christopher, like Christopher Reeve, like Kevin Conroy, like Ben Affleck, he worked like Henry Cavill. Oh, okay. I don't have to, like, close my eyes and pretend that this, Five foot two guy is actually six four. No, Dean Kane's a big Dean Kane. Yeah, yeah. He was one of the few guys I think that might actually have looked a little bit bigger in real life than he was than he is on camera, which, which is saying something. Yeah, actually, he's an athlete. He played. He was a scholarship to Princeton University on basketball scholarship. So oh, he played yeah. major college yeah. basketball. He, he was an athlete. Mm -hmm. So any any closing uh, thoughts they might have had as as far as uh, Kevin Conroy goes. No, I, he mm -hmm. will definitely be missed. He was shocked to me because he was only 66. Right. And I, I knew he'd had some health problems for a while, but I didn't know how serious they were. And when you sent me the text telling me this, it, it was a real gut punch, man. Yeah, yeah, because I, I saw that. I think I saw it in a, a DM. One of my friends DM me it on, on social media, and I'm like, and that was one of those things I had to instantly say, okay, is this real? And then, of course, I saw it, yeah. and, and and then I texted you, and I'm I'm sure you probably had the exact same thought. You hoped it was a a, a fake, a hoax. 
No, yeah. but I mean, like, what TMZ and Variety, and they mm-hmm. were holding it too. And I knew you weren't lying. You hadn't gotten bad information. And it hurt because I don't think I'm telling any of our listeners who don't know, our regular listeners, Ghost Rider is my favorite comic book character of all time. The Batman's solidly number two. And he's without a doubt my favorite DC character, even more than John Cotton. Yeah, yeah. Batman's probably number three for me behind, uh, not not surprising for you, but Captain America Superman and Cap. Superman. Yeah, yeah. The two the two goody two-shoes. And, and Punisher's probably number four. I'm the DC guy here. And to say he's my favorite DC character, to tell you how important Batman is. Yeah. And exactly. I cannot in my mind separate Batman from Kevin Connors. That's how indelibly he played his personality and his talents on the character. Yeah. He will forever, to the day I die, when I read Batman, I'm going to hear Kevin Conroy's voice. Totally agreed. It's to point that point now, but some voice about it, they're not Kevin Conroy. My immediate, well, what would Kevin do with this, with these lines? Mm-hmm. That, that's how serious I think Kevin Conroy is. So that's going to bring us to the end of this episode of Geekville Radio. I know it was a bit more of a somber outing this time around, but if this is your first time hearing us, first of all, welcome. You can find us at geekvilleradio.com. You can find us on the podcatcher of your choosing. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. Wherever you find podcasts, you can do a search for Geekville Radio and find us, or you can subscribe at geekvilleradio.com. And we are on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Geekville Radio. The Instagram's still under construction. There's a, a lot of stuff to be put up there, especially a lot of those character posters that, I, that I've done uh, over the years, lawful good and all that uh, chaotic evil type stuff. Well, Sam, Sam you, you're the tech. You get all on you. So yeah. if our listeners are upset, blame so. Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so now, Train, if anybody wants to talk to you about uh, Batman or rock and roll or horror movies, where can they find you? I'm always available on Twitter at CrazyTrain underscore JB. That is pretty much my handle across all social media. Just do a search under that. You see a wrestling dude, teddy bear. You got the right one. And so I'm going to power down here in the Geekville Radio studios here. I am going to put up another little tribute, probably on, uh, on the Geekville Radio page, kind of some highlights of Kevin Conroy over the years as Batman, just as kind of our own little tribute. That'll be up sooner rather than later. But until then, we'll talk to you folks again next time. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the host and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of GeekvilleRadio.com, A1-Wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on Geekville Radio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved. Yeah, with all those different lantern types i just the, the wrestling fan in me seeing the the yellow lantern i just, somehow i just always kept getting the image of jake the snake roberts with his yellow ring and his deadly stare at you <laughs> jake would do that yeah i guess <laughs> uh, yeah i think a yellow ring would find him <laughs> it's pretty good long to die oh, yeah. <laughs>